Welcome to Rocktail Hour, an hour's worth of rockin' good time in about 15 minutes with your buddies Tim, Treg, and Michael, three old guys that are a testament to the fact that rock and roll keeps you young. In each Rocktail Hour, we bring you our favorite stories behind the greatest rock and roll tunes of all time and other interesting musings about the music and the rockers who inspire us. Today's Rocktail Hour is brought to you by Audible.com. Download a free audiobook of your choice from the link on our homepage or affiliates page. In this Rocktail Hour, Treg is going to bring us the story behind One Tree Hill by U2. Treg? Thanks, Michael. One Tree Hill is off of U2's 1987 album, The Joshua Tree, uh, which is one of a handful of albums that I would consider to be musical perfection. Uh, from beginning to end, you know, that album is, is just perfect. It's beautiful. I could listen to it on repeat probably for the rest of my life and never get tired of it, That, along with a few others, you know, that I would throw in there, but it's just incredible. Uh, this is an amazing song on many levels. Musically, it's very beautiful and it's inspiring. The band is very tight, and as everybody knows, they have their own unique sound uh, that really shines on this track. Bono's vocals are amazing. He has a great voice. Um, but in particular, Bono has the ability to convey emotion like few other rock stars. And uh, it really shows on this one for reasons that we'll, that we'll talk about. I would concur with you on, on this being one of the the greatest albums ever and again reaching near perfection uh, this is not a concept album unless anybody disagrees with me I don't believe that this would be considered a concept album but it almost becomes one because each of those each of these songs separately is such a great song but when you play them one after the other in the order that they're put on the album uh, it really makes a huge difference and by the time you get to the end of the album it really culminates in a great experience so I would I would absolutely you know repeat what you've said about this being a an album that is is one of few that are perfect. I would actually perhaps see this as a concept album, right? I mean, the, the my understanding with the album was about was the you uh, two uh, essentially searching through. Um, actually, never mind. All right, <laughs> but uh, I'll just leave it at that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, just as an aside, not, now we're just having a discussion. I, concept album like uh, The Wall or uh, uh, Dark Side of the Moon, where you, it's really hard to separate one song from the other. You know, they they just run right into the other. But these are all you know distinctive songs. But I can see where you're coming from. Yeah, because they really build on each other. Right. And and I Trig, when you told me that you were doing this song, it was almost. I listen. I've listened to this album hundreds of times if not thousands of times and I don't know what song off the top of my head One Tree Hill is because when I listen to it exactly. I listen to it all the way through every time exactly right. this song in particular has uh, extra meaning for me because it's about nominally it's about a place called One Tree Hill in New Zealand and uh, the album was released in 1987 and, and from 1985 to 1987 I was living in New Zealand and visited One Tree Hill on a couple of occasions, and it, it is a very inspiring place. It's a, a volcanic uh, peak in Auckland, New Zealand, which is the most populous city in New Zealand, and it really uh, stands out. You've got this hill, you know, a volcanic peak with one tree that was standing at the top, this giant pine tree, and, uh, together with a monument that I think is shaped like an obelisk, and it really dominates the skyline of the city. 
and when you drive to the top of One Tree Hill, you can look out over the whole city, and it's just it's beautiful. It's a beautiful city. It's an amazing place to be. In a crowded city, you've got this place where you can just be isolated from, from the world. In fact, um, let, let me tell a little bit more about the story uh, behind why One Tree Hill was important to the band. You two first visited Australia and New Zealand in 1984 to open the Unforgettable Fire Tour. And after a long flight into Auckland, Bono was, had a hard time adjusting to the time differences. So during the night, he left his hotel room and he went to a bar and met some people who showed him around the city. And one of the places that they took him was One Tree Hill. How would you like to just be hanging out in a bar one night and all of a sudden, you know, having Bono ask you, hey, what are some good sights to see? <laughs> yeah. One Tree Hill is one of the most popular tourist attractions in Auckland, so it was natural for, uh, for the, the locals to take him there. The uh, Maori name for One Tree Hill is Manga Kiki. It's 182 meters tall. Uh, it's an important memorial place for Maoris and New Zealanders, and uh, it, it actually has a, a, a monument at the summit which is dedicated to John Logan Campbell, who was one of Auckland's founding fathers. It used to be... Uh, in pre-European times, it was a Maori pa, or fort, and so it's an important landmark as well for the Maori people. So this is the way Bono described his visit to One Tree Hill. They took me up to the top of a place called One Tree Hill, where a single tree stands at the top of the mount, like some stark Japanese painting, and we looked around this city that's made by craters of volcanoes. I remember it so vividly, I think because it meant something to me about my own freedom. And he really said mount and not mountain? Mount. All right. So the tree was was later attacked twice. Well, I mean, really, don't you think that's a little pretentious? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Rattle and Hum, which was, right, the song or the, the film about touring this album, wasn't it? Or was it? No, no. Um, Rattle and Hum came out right after this album. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, Rattle and Hum was of... I read today, Rattle and Hum, the director of the film, said it was a quote-unquote pretentious look at you 2 Oh, wow. <laughs> I would agree with that. Yeah. The guy that directed Rattle and Hum was the same guy that directed that movie at Ogden High. Oh. Did you know that? No. Yeah, and then he made those two films and never made another. He was Steven Spielberg's protege. No kidding. Yeah, and really Hollywood had high, high hopes for him, and he just fizzled. <laughs> Well, there's a scene in Rattle and Hum with uh, Bono, you know, shirt off, hair dripping wet, you know, to his shoulders, kind of head down, looking like a crucified Jesus, and it's it almost is enough to make you sick. <laughs> <laughs> so there's kind of a sad ending to this part of the story. Uh, there were Maori activists attacked the tree in with chainsaws in 1994 and 2000. Um, they, they did it to draw attention to the injustices they believed that, that the New Zealand government had inflicted upon the Maori people. Uh, the tree wasn't able to recover from the attacks, and, and so it was, it was taken down. I didn't know this until I went back to visit New Zealand in August of 2010, and I drove into Auckland, and I was, I was excited to take my family up to One Tree Hill, and I'm looking at the skyline. I can't find the damn tree. It was, <laughs> it was so frustrating. So uh, I learned at that time from a friend of mine who was living in Auckland that, uh, that the tree had been taken down because of these attacks. So now uh, some of the, the people in Auckland uh, refer to the hill as Nun Tree Hill. 
the, the following day after uh, Bono had visited One Tree Hill, U2 was preparing for their concert, and Bono noticed a local stage manager, a, a Maori named Greg Carroll, and he described him uh, as this helpful fellow running around the place. Well, U2's manager, Paul McGinnis, thought that Carroll was so helpful that uh, he invited him to accompany the band for the remainder of the tour, and so he did. He came along, um, came on the road with them to Australia and the United States as their assistant, and he became very close friends with Bono and his wife. So following the conclusion of the tour, uh, they invited Greg Carroll to work for, for them in Dublin, which he did. The sad part of the story is that on July 3rd, 1986, just before they started recording Joshua Tree, Carroll was killed in a motorcycle accident while he was on a courier run for the band. A car had pulled in front of him and he was unable to stop in the rain, and so Carroll struck the side of the car and was killed instantly. Mm. And as you can imagine, that, that this was quite a shock to the entire band. Uh, the guitarist, The Edge, said that Greg was like a member of the family, but the fact that he had come under our wing and, and had traveled so far from home to be in Dublin to work with us made it all the more difficult to deal with. And Bono said, it was a devastating blow. He was doing me a favor. He was taking my bike home. He later commented that, um, that the event brought gravitas to the recording of the Joshua Tree. We had to fill the hole in our heart with something very, very large indeed. We loved him so much. Wow. I think that may be one of the reasons that it's such a powerful album altogether. Um, and in particular, this song was written as a dedication to Greg Carroll. Um, Bono and his wife and the other members of the U2 organization flew with Carroll's body back to New Zealand and buried him in a traditional Maori marae near his hometown at the funeral Bono sang let it be and knocking on heaven's door following the funeral Bono wrote the lyrics to One Tree Hill and dedicated them to Carol the lyrics reflect Bono's thoughts at the funeral and they also pay homage to Chilean activist Victor Jara so the next part of the story relates to uh, a verse in the song uh, that says Jara sang his song a weapon in the hands of love you know his blood still cries from the ground and so this verse refers to the Chilean political activist and folk singer Victor Jara, who became a symbol of the resistance against the Pinochet government after he was tortured and killed during the 1973 Chilean coup. Bono learned of Jara after meeting Rene Castro, who was a Chilean mural artist, while he was on Amnesty International's Conspiracy of Hope tour. I'm no pronunciation snob, but I think it's probably Hara. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I, I apologize to all of our Latin friends. Finally, somebody else makes a mistake. <laughs> you can always pronounce it however you want as an American, and it's understood that if you've made an error, you're just that we're all just we're too just stupid Americans. Americans. We're just yes. too stupid to That's know. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So when uh, Pinochet overthrew the government, Jara was tortured by having both of his hands cut off and made to play the guitar while he bled to death. He used the guitar as a drum with bleeding arms. When was this? 1973. Wow. Uh, boy, what a what a tragic story. But you know, this this is typical of a, of a lot of U2 songs of including images relating to political activism and and atrocities uh, throughout the world. And this is no exception. 
Now, the thing that I found to be most interesting um, when I was reading about this song is that the vocals were recorded in a single take. Bono didn't think that he was capable of singing them a second time. So the vocals that you hear on the song are uh, the first take. And that's, that's, that's pretty amazing. amazing. Yeah, what a talented guy. Well, also, for the same reason, uh, U2 did not typically play the song live for quite a period of time. Mm -hmm. So during the Joshua Tree tour in 1987, they did not play it until the tour's third leg. Um, but the, the, it received a, such an enthusiastic reaction from the audience that they did play it occasionally throughout the rest of the tour. And since then, they've played it on several occasions. And, and in particular, on special occasions, they'll play it like um, for the Pike River mining disaster. They played it for the miners uh, who had died in that event. The song has received substantial critical acclaim. Steve Pond of Rolling Stone called it a soft, haunting benediction. Bill Graham of Hot Press said the song was hopeful, not grim. He described the edges playing as a loose-limbed guitar melody with both an African and a Hawaiian tinge, and concluded by saying, despite its moving vocal coda, One Tree Hill isn't somber. It celebrates the life of the spirit, not its extinction. That's, that's a great description of the song, and you know, sometimes I think uh, you know, a, a critic can really get it wrong, but in this case, I, I would agree with that, and I think that really sums the song up really well. Yeah. Um, Calm O'Hare of Hot Press also said that it was, he believed it was the most poignant, emotionally charged song that U2 has ever recorded. I, I searched the lyrics to, to see you know, what references there were uh, to to Greg Carroll, and there, there aren't, aren't any in particular, but the one uh, most applicable to, you know, this story about the friend, it, the, whole, the whole song is filled with this beautiful imagery, uh, in particular, the moon is up and over one tree hill, you know, it talks about, about the hill, um, but it also, there, there is this image uh, and lyrics repeated throughout the song, you run like a river onto the sea. And to me, that, uh, that's a great image of seeing the eternal nature of his friend, that, you know, he's not dead, he's just run onto the sea. It amazes me that this song was take, done in one take. Is the, the vocals. The vocals were done in one take, um, because the vocal work in this song uh, sounds almost spontaneous in, in a lot of places. And, and some of the things, other than the... Um, other than the lyrics that are being sung, um, there's some vocal work that, that Bono does, and maybe that part of it was uh, dubbed in later, I don't know. Uh, but some of the stuff that he does vocally is just incredible. And so to know that this was all done in one take, uh, it, just, it just increases my respect for his vocal abilities. So th this song, while it had a lot of meaning to me because uh, I understood that it was about New Zealand, and, and I really am in love with that country, it's... Uh... It's like being in a postcard, and the people there are, are the, among the greatest people on earth. But now to understand that it's about such a great relationship, uh, such a great friendship that he had with this, this Maori gentleman, it uh, has a lot more meaning to me now even than it did before. Thank you, Treg. That was an outstanding Rock Tale Hour on One Tree Hill by U2. For the listeners of Rocktail Hour, Audible.com is offering a free audiobook download with a 14-day trial membership to give you a chance to try out their service. Audible.com has over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. One audiobook Rocktail Hour listeners may be interested in is Eric Clapton's autobiography. 
Download your free audiobook from the link on our homepage or affiliates page. Please email us at dudes at rocktailhour.com if you think we got it all wrong, if you have an interesting rock tale of your own, or if you have a recommendation of a song that would be a good subject for Rocktail Hour. If you think we're just lame, well, please keep that to yourself. Also, please contact us if you want to buy the next round at an upcoming Rocktail Hour by becoming a sponsor. Until then, rock on. Rock on.